Good morning once again. So throughout the month of May we've had a bit of a break in a preaching plan and um, we, we've got a new series starting in a few weeks' time but until then we've got um, uh, some free weeks and I've been praying about what would, what would work this morning, what we, what we need to hear, what, what, um, what I felt God was calling me to preach on and I landed at a passage in 1 Corinthians which talks about calling and it talks about how we understand God's plan for us and what we were before we knew God compared to what we are now. So the passage comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and it begins at verse 26. And Paul has opened the letter by by acknowledging that the Corinthians are people that he's very fond of, that he loves. He thanks God for them. He acknowledges their their faith. But then he also goes on to acknowledge that the church in Corinth is divided. There have been some conflicting theologies preached and there's been some, some splitting, as we might call it today, within the church. And he's writing to them to address that, to encourage them to find unity under Christ, to remember that, that they're, not, they're not disciples of, of Paul or, or Apollos, they're not disciples of Peter, they're disciples of Christ. And he writes to impress upon them the need for unity. Because we're all familiar, aren't we, with the phrase divide and conquer. And often when Satan wants to, wants to damage a church, that's exactly what happens. Suddenly, People find differences of opinion that are, that are so strong that they override the unity of Christ. And so Paul desperately wants to avoid this happening in Corinth. So here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Paul writes, Brothers, think of what you were before you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. One of the things that I've been um, doing recently in my studies is a, um, a paper on the philosophy of ministry which when I first heard that I was terrified because I thought that, that's a massive subject, that's, that's going to take forever <clears throat> but it was great because it was, we were encouraged to write our philosophy of ministry and that was quite a challenge, it was something that I hadn't necessarily given much thought to before <coughs> ministry is ministry Who am I to decide for myself what I think ministry is? But we were encouraged to go back to our calling. What do you think God is calling you to do in your ministry? 
And I think that's a question that's relevant for all of us because we believe in the priesthood of all believers. I'm no higher or lower than the next person under Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. That's a question that we should all ask ourselves from time to time. What's, what are we doing? What is our calling? What does God want us to do? Now, calling is an interesting concept because it doesn't have to be in godly terms. I spent the first 15, 16 years of my life absolutely convinced that when I finished at school, I was going to go into the army. That's what I really wanted to do. And I was actually quite excited about it. As I got towards the end of my time at school, got GCSEs out of the way, and I was thinking, do, do I do A-levels or should I just go straight in? I thought, that, that's what I want to do. I was really excited about it as, the, as the, the months started ticking away. And I began to speak to military careers people and that sort of thing, just to start the ball rolling. But then I was at a party one night, and I met this young blonde thing, And suddenly, it was Joe, just in case you were wondering. (laughs) But suddenly, I felt very challenged. You see, I had been absolutely convinced (coughs) that the army was was what I wanted to do with my life. And I'd been absolutely convinced as well that it was the calling for someone to stay single because the forces are notorious for for putting a lot of pressure on relationships. So I'd never, I mean, I was only sort of 15, 16, I hadn't thought about future and relationships and marriage and that sort of thing. It was miles off on the agenda. Um, but suddenly, I, w- I had this challenge and I had to seriously consider whether a lifetime of, of orders, conflict and working in very harsh conditions was preferable to a career in the army. <coughs> You see, I didn't recognise it at the time as a calling, but it's because of Joe that I stand here now, doing what I'm doing with my life. God can call us in ways that we do not recognise at the time, that we look back on years later and say, wow, those words in Jeremiah are right. God does know the plan he's got for us. God does know, and we haven't got a clue. These coincidences suddenly happen. And years later we look back and we see how God's plan was being put into action. So doing this philosophy of ministry paper has been, it's been really helpful for me to look back and reassess my calling. When I, went, um, when I left the city and went into, into full-time training and I started at college and, and started here at Villaricky Baptist Church, um, that came about because for years I've been, been preaching at Christ Church down in Stock, I've been an elder there, and for years people have been saying, um, well, you know, one day you're going to ministry. And people have said, oh, you, you're, you, there's a calling for you. And I felt very uncomfortable with that because for years I thought, why would God call someone like me? Look at all the people in, in, in our church. Look at all the people, the Christian people across the country, across the world. There are literally billions of people who could do the role of a minister far better than me. Why would God call me? And then I realised, it's not about me. It's not about what I think I can and can't do. It's about obedience to God. 
What is your calling? Our calling isn't necessarily revealed as a a big, powerful, flashing light saying, this is what you're called to do. I just personally found that over the period of about six months, I went from thinking, no, I can never see myself going into ministry, to suddenly thinking, I cannot imagine another future. I just changed from the inside. It was just a quiet change that took place over a relatively short period of time, and I just knew and Joe endorsed it, and other people we spoke about. I prayed for signs, and suddenly, within a space of 24 hours, from completely unexpected sources, there were signs. And we quickly sort of thought, well, this is God calling us to make this change in our lives. And it was terrifying, but it was also the most fulfilling thing that we've ever done. Because being obedient to God is what it's all about. But you see, when we look back at Scripture, it's interesting to identify other people's calling. When David was called, he wasn't looking for a calling. In fact, David was out in the fields when, when, uh, when Samuel turned up and, and said to his father, bring your sons. And the seven sons were paraded before Samuel. And then Samuel says, haven't you got any others? Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, no, there is one more. David was forgotten about by his own father. Yeah, there is one more. um, Oh, someone sent for him. He's out in the field somewhere watching the sheep. And David gets brought along. See, David is, is described as a man after God's own heart in Scripture. A man after God's own heart. He's not, he's not the most attractive, he's not the biggest. He was a great warrior, don't get me wrong, he must have had something about him. He was a great leader, but at that time when he was called, he was humble, he was happy being alone, he was servant-hearted. While his brothers were off training for the military, he was quite content to be serving his father, guarding the sheep. David is a man after God's own heart because he had this this spirituality which just emanated faith. People saw in him a faith. When he went to Saul and said, I don't need your armour, I don't need your weapons, but I'll take on Goliath because I've got God with me. You know, we we can throw those those words around in, in a sort of almost Sunday school style manner and yet this is somebody saying, I know... The world says this is certain death. I know for many people you'd say this is suicide. But God's with me, so I'll be fine. That obedience, that strength of faith is astounding. And yet David, this humble servant, didn't just pay lip service to his faith, didn't just acknowledge God when things are going well and then when times are difficult and there was a challenge, suddenly turned to the the armour and the weapons. He he turned to God throughout. He loved God and he trusted absolutely. God recognised David's spirituality, his total humility and his absolute integrity. (laughs) 
when King Saul was, was called. It was actually, he was the one that did the searching. Saul was actually out searching for his father's donkeys. And of course we know that the Israelites had, had, had said to God, we want a king, we want a king. And Samuel said, look, that's not, this is not right, it's not God's best. And eventually God said, Samuel, you and I know that, but let's give them what they want. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Saul is following this trail, looking for his father's donkeys. He's the one doing the searching. He's searching for something. Whereas David is just out in the wilderness, just overseeing a flock, and suddenly David is called. Samuel's here. The, the, the prophet is here. He wants to see you. Me? Uh, oh, okay. Saul is looking, looking, looking. And eventually he meets, he meets someone on the road and, where's the prophet? We need guidance. There's a difference in the calling. One comes from this, this complete humility, this integrity, this, this willingness just to be left alone and to serve, to wait. Those who go off desperately searching for a calling, desperately trying to, like, they want to be a missionary, they want to be something within the church, they want, they want, they want. Actually, it's not about what we want, it's about what God calls us to. Some of the, some of the most effective callings, effective ministries come out of a calling that people didn't want. The world doesn't always value spirituality. When we when I first started at college, in the, I think it was the first year, there was a module on spirituality. And one of the first questions, I think I might have shared this with you before, one of the first questions was, how do you define your spirituality? And there were people around me in that class coming out with these wonderfully eloquent um, uh, definitions of how they can capture their spirituality. And I thought, I haven't got a clue. And I, I just came up with a conclusion, well, I haven't really got one, <laughs> which probably wasn't the best, best thing to say at Spurgeon's. But... Uh, by the end of that module, it was, it was an absolute revelation to me. We need to spend time with God. In a world that, that doesn't value God, we need to make sure that we put aside time to listen, to absorb Scripture, to pray, and just to appreciate what God is doing in our lives to reflect back and see things that have happened and see the goodness that has come out of those things, to look back and recognise the way that maybe we've ministered to other people and had an impact on the lives of those that we've met, the way that God's used us time and time again, the way that God has always been in control of our past because that way we can go into our future with absolute confidence that God is with us, that God will use us, that God has called us. Last week at Sunnymead, um, we looked at another couple of callings. Um, we looked at, at the call of Levi. Levi, the tax collector, sitting in his tax booth alone while the crowds are listening to Jesus teach and Jesus says, that is the one that I'm calling. The one that is alone, the one that is despised by the world. If he'll turn away from his, his past life, and follow me, that's who I'm going to use. Later on in, in Luke's Gospel, we'll read about, about Zacchaeus. This little guy, another tax collector, another outcast, tremendously wealthy through, um, through corruption. 
and suddenly he can't see, so he climbs a tree. And we have this wonderful image of Jesus saying, Zacchaeus, before I come to your house for tea, you've got to come down. Now, of course, he was talking about getting out of a tree. But I love that image of saying, before you can follow me, you've got to lower yourself. You've got, to, you've got to stop thinking of yourself as being up there, elevating yourself where you can see beyond what other people can see because actually you can't. The only one that can do that is the Father. So, lower yourself, humble yourself and then let's go and eat together. That's what Jesus calls us to do. To put aside all the, the trappings of the world that we might surround ourselves with and actually to humble ourselves. A calling begins from, from humility. A calling begins with a, a heart that says, I'm prepared to accept that I'm not, I'm not the, the strong, good-looking warrior that my seven brothers are. I'm happy to go out with my father's sheep. While they're off training for the military to have big, glorious careers ahead of them, to serve their country, okay, I'll just, I'll just take the sheep and I'll disappear off to the point that my father will even come close to forgetting about me. So that when a prophet arrives and says, have you got another son? He suddenly, oh yeah, I have. I'd forgotten him. That humility. That's where David's calling starts and that's where our calling starts as well. You see, God knows everything about the world that he's created. On Wednesday um, this past week, some of us went to All Saints Church in Hutton in the afternoon where um, Valmay's ashes um, were interred. And we were amazed because the, the diggers in the, in the uh, graveyard had identified exactly where her husband's ashes had been. And they dug down so accurately that the side of the grave was absolutely flush with the brass name, uh, name badge on the box. And they'd revealed it, and it was just absolutely perfect for her to be slotted in next to him, which was lovely, a beautiful thing. But I was amazed at how this thing that was buried years and years ago, someone somewhere had kept a record so accurate of where in that churchyard this box of ashes were buried three or four feet underground. It was, it was incredible. I was amazed by it. And it was a lovely thing. But, you see, everything in this world, no matter whether we try and bury it or whether we, we elevate it, God knows everything. There is nothing that God cannot find, cannot do. He knows every single part of us. He knows what he's put inside us. So even if we, if we feel we have a calling, but we react like Jonah and run... God knows he's buried that calling in us. He knows exactly where it is. He knows exactly who we are. We can run to the other side of the world, but God knows there's nowhere we can go to get away from God because God is everywhere and God wants us to follow him, to be obedient. So it brings us back to the question. What is your calling? Paul writes, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. What were you when you were called? When you first heard the good news of Jesus Christ, where were you? 
What was it that, that triggered that life-changing event? What was it that led to that decision? Was it simply that you'd always gone to church as a child and it kind of just made sense and so you stuck with it? Great. Or was it that you'd had an appalling life of crime and awful, an awful, awful background and then suddenly Jesus changed everything? Great. Whatever it is, whatever it is, celebrate your testimony. Celebrate the story that you have to tell. Someone said to me this week, there are five Gospels, not four. I said, I'm pretty sure there's four. I said, no, there's not, there's five. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and you. And you are the Gospel that people are most likely to read. It's the way that we conduct ourselves. It's the way that we speak to others. It's the way that, that, we, that we display our faith. If we hide it and, and we're a little bit ashamed of it, then it doesn't, say, doesn't do much to encourage other people to share that faith. You're a Christian. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd go, to, go to church. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I quite like it. That's not a positive response, is it? Who's going to want to follow that? You're a Christian. Yeah, too right I am. I love it. It defines me. It's what I'm all about. Do you know what? Have you ever read the, the Gospel? Have you ever read any Scripture? Because you've got all these ideas that you think you know what it says, but actually when you look into it, you'll find that it stands up to all sorts of examination. If that's our response, suddenly there's passion, there's fire, there's, there's, a, real, there's a real challenge thrown back at the one who has sought to challenge in the first place. You see, we should approach life with, with, our, with our faith at the top of our list of who we are. How do you identify yourself? I'm a Christian. Second to that, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a, an accountant, a geologist, an architect, whatever it might be. But first and foremost, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. Jesus said in John, John chapter 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, I chose you so that you might go and bear fruit. You were chosen, we were chosen by Jesus to go and bear fruit. And that fruit is, is borne out as other people see us and the way that we live our lives, the way that we fulfil our calling. And then they respond. And through that, we hope and we pray that through the Holy Spirit, they too will come to know Jesus as their Saviour. You see, we might look back and say, we're not wise by human standards. No, quite right, we're not. We might say, we're not influential. Some of us might be in some small way. All of us will have somebody at some point in our lives that look to us as a role model. We might be parents or uncles and aunts or neighbours to, to children. We might have siblings. We might even have parents that look to us as role models. All of us at some point have somebody that looks to us and that wants to be like us. People love a role model, but we might not be influential on a huge scale. Not many were of noble birth. I don't know if you've got anybody in here of noble birth, but... But Paul says not many were of noble birth. All the things that the world places value on, you didn't tick those boxes. You didn't tick those boxes, but that's why God called you. He says God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Because we're called not to conform to the ways of the world. 
He says, he chose the foolish things. So yeah, you're foolish, and that's why you're called by God. Because God will use you in that. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You might not be the, 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 perfect, the perfect body. You might not be the, the emotionally impeccable. You might not be the psychologically impenetrable. You might find yourself bursting into tears every time you, you see a newborn calf. You might find that, uh, you, 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 by the definition of the world, you're soft and a bit pathetic, but that's why God can use you. Because actually, through God, you have got strength. God fortifies those that he's created. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. He chose the things that the world said have no value, are never going to do anything, never going to go anywhere. The people who, who are simply going to tick along in life and achieve little. God says, I created them and I've got a plan for them. And so if they follow me, if they, if they recognise the, the, the life of Jesus, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, if they turn, they seek forgiveness and they commit to following me, then I will use them. Because I am God. We are all in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. Our righteousness, holiness and redemption. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes, He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we are called, we are called to live out the teaching of the gospel, the teachings of Jesus, the instructions that we are given to seek and save the lost, to make, that, to, to make disciples of all nations, baptising in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And tonight at Perry Street we've got this baptismal service where we've got three young people that are giving their lives to Christ. They're going through the waters of baptism. It's an act of obedience, following the example of Jesus. We should celebrate that as a church. Celebrate together. Because this is good. This is good, but there's always more to do. God knows us intimately. He is our righteousness. He is our holiness. And he gives us redemption in Christ. So I challenge you this week. to give some time to reflecting on your calling. Because everybody has a calling of some sort. God has a plan for everybody. From the youngest sitting over there learning about Jesus. What are you learning about, Tim? The ocean. The ocean. Is it Jonah? Oh, doing a sticker book first. Okay. I thought it was going to be Jonah. It was meant to be Jonah. I'll have words afterwards. But you see, from the, from the youngest to the oldest, and I'm not going to identify who that may or may not be, I, I wouldn't go there, God has a calling for us. We never have a sell-by date as far as God's concerned. 
We're never too old to serve him. We're never too old to give something. So spend some time. What is your philosophy of being a Christian? What is your, what is your calling? How do you understand God's plan for you? Because it shouldn't just be a verse that we, that we happily throw about in church. It should be something that has real impact on us. God has a plan. Well, what is it? I wish he'd share it with me. Well, he will if you give him the time and give him the opportunity. Then God will share that plan. But look back on life. Identify the way that God has worked. You see, I firmly believe that through that one night at a party when I was 15 years old, God was calling me. I'll say that now and I still say it with a bit of um, almost reluctance to say it because I still have that nagging doubt that, that there are so many people who are far better suited to, to spreading the gospel and being a minister in God's church than I am, but that won't go away. We all doubt ourselves despite our faith. But I firmly believe that we can all look back on our lives and identify moments that at the time seemed to be so insignificant, odd, Minor, but actually turned out to be pivotal to our lives. Identify them, celebrate them, and then talk about them as well. Because through our testimony, through the story that we've got to tell, through that fifth gospel, that's how people come to Christ. Because it's through us that they can be introduced to the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God the Father. And it's through us that eventually they can find the righteousness, the holiness and the redemption that can only come through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the richness of your word. And Lord, thank you that it speaks to us today in ways that so often we don't recognise until we look back. And we suddenly see that you have a plan for us. We suddenly see that your word teaches us and guides us and we need it in our lives. Father, help us this week to set aside some time to to reflect on our own personal journey, to celebrate and recognise our own personal story. And give us the confidence and the opportunity, Lord, to share that story with others, to give our testimony, to to inspire other people to, to seek what it is that we find within your word. Father, through your Holy Spirit, we pray that you will give us that confidence and that you will work in the lives of those around us. As we plant the seeds of faith, we pray that through your Spirit those seeds will be nurtured. And we pray, Lord, we pray that that we will recognise our calling and fulfil it. We pray, Father, that you will show us what you want us to be doing with our lives, how you want us to be serving, what we can do, no matter how, how frail or how young or how old or how insignificant we may feel. Lord, we know that it's not about us, it's about you. It's about you using your people to build your kingdom. And Father, we give thanks that one day we will be called home to be with you, to celebrate an eternity with our Father.
in Jesus' name.